Welcome into another episode of Behind the Catch Fence. I'm your host, David Hoffman. Episode 31 is officially here, and we have another special interview episode. But before I get to that, I'd like to give a quick shout out to No Copyright Music on YouTube. They're the ones creating the music that I'm playing. It's obviously no copyright music, so it's free. I'd like to thank you guys for that. With me being a broke college student, I'm grateful for you guys. Go subscribe to them, No Copyright Music. Welcome to yet another interview episode. Man, oh man, I'm so excited that the NTT IndyCar Series season just got kicked off yesterday. Alex Pelot won at Barber Motorsports Park to get his first career win. Absolutely fantastic for him and the entire Chip Ganassi racing staff. Uh, Jimmy Johnson ran his first race. I believe he finished 18th, so not too shabby. He kept it clean for the most part, spun out, I believe, once, but kept it clean. Overall, fantastic product that IndyCar continues to put out, and it's going to be really amazing to watch this come Long Beach and just going forward, Texas Motor Speedway, and then obviously the month of May with Indy and everything else. Now, this episode is obviously dropped after the season has begun, and just with driver scheduling and putting out consistent content, there will be a question or two in this episode that may be considered old news, but that's just the nature of the business sometimes. Now, on to our special guest. This driver came over from Formula One with a boatload of talent, just looking for an opportunity to showcase it properly. He would go on and win the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500, back in 2016, in the 100th running of the event. One of the boldest personalities in all of motorsports, welcome Andretti Autosport driver Alexander Rossi. Rossi is entering his sixth season in the IndyCar series and is looking to break his way back into the championship hunt after an uncategorized season of lows in 2020, which left him winless for the first time in his career. Rossi is also known for co-hosting the podcast Off Track with Hinch and Rossi with fellow teammate and friend of the show, James Hinchcliffe. Rossi is as competitive and fearless as a race car driver can be, and I think you'll thoroughly enjoy hearing his thoughts on a number of topics. Now enough of the chit chat, let's get right into it guys. Sit back, relax, grab your favorite snack, could be some chips and salsa, chips and guacamole, that's what I'm feeling today, might go get some later, but who knows. So go enjoy this episode with Alexander Rossi. Hey there, this is Alex Rossi. Hey Alex, how are you doing today man? Good, how are you? Pretty good. Hopefully uh, your uh, drive to Barber's been going well so far. Yes, sir. No problem. <laughs> so I like to start off um, every uh, every guest with the same question. Uh, what's a question you're surprised you haven't been asked before? <laughs> um, you know, I was asked a lot of very strange questions by children um, on NBC the other day, so I feel like that's... that's really summed it up, but I think the one thing that I'm surprised I'm not asked more about is, um, like, what's faster, or, like, what's more fun to drive, um, like, the, uh, the accurate DPI car or anything like that. And if you were to answer that question, what would you say would be faster? <laughs> well, definitely the Indy car is faster and more fun, but the, uh, the kind of endurance races that, that you do, um, car side of things are pretty awesome. Yeah. It'd be cool to do like an indie car endurance race. I guess we kind of do that 500 anyway. There you go. <laughs> that would be kind of interesting to do something like the Daytona Road Core or something like that. I don't know if that would work logistically, but that would be kind of fun yeah. to watch. For sure. <laughs> Uh, I remember a couple weeks ago I'd uh, asked Simon Paginot that same question and he had said what does your life look like off the track that the fans and media don't typically see so what would you say to that? 
Um, spend a lot of time training. Um, spend a lot of time just enjoying being at home because we're on the road so much. Um, getting my pilot's license, that takes a lot of time. I have two dogs. I'm, yeah, I guess that's about it. <laughs> And you mentioned those two dogs. Every time I get a guest on the show that has dogs, I can't help but ask about them. Uh, so how are Bruner and I doing? Uh, they're good. Um, they, uh, they're upset that they can't come to the track anymore, as much anymore. Um, the airline policy changed with uh, emotional support animals. But uh, there you go. It's okay. <laughs> Probably as people will frown at me less in the airport now that I don't have two dogs with me. <laughs> so how would you describe their two personalities? Um, runner, he has, he has poodle in him, so he's, he's very sweet, but he can be a little bit of an asshole, <laughs> which is kind of why, why we love him so much. And then Diane, I don't think, two things are interesting about her. She doesn't feel pain. Um, like, she's the only dog I've ever met where you can literally step on her tail and she doesn't even notices um so either she didn't feel pain or she's really dumb and then she's just very nice she's a very kind dog she doesn't ever growl or do anything she's just very very that's kind of cool so i would guess uh brunner's more the uh in charge of the household per se uh he he thinks he is but uh she weighs two and a half times what he does so when uh, she gets annoyed by him, she literally can just throw him to the ground. Pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, so you uh, you got done with two days of uh, open test at India this past week, well, more one because of rain. But what were some of the takeaways with that? Some of the takeaways. Um, well, it's uh, I don't really. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I don't really know that we know um, the new the new arrow bits. Are, are a bit better, um, make it a, a little bit more possible to follow in traffic, you know, when you're a couple cars back. Um, with that being said, it was a pretty cool day, uh, so I don't know how much of that will be applicable if it's 85, 90 degrees on race day in May. Uh, time will tell. Um, you know, it, it's great to have so many cars back. I don't think we've ever had an open test with 31 odd cars. Way, so, so that's pretty awesome and, and there's really no slow cars uh, so it's going to be a hell of a show on bump day for sure which will be great for the fans um, and yeah I mean really that's, that's all it's, it's too, too hard to draw any conclusions quite yet in terms of teams and, and manufacturers that look good or don't um, I think everyone's just kind of going through their their plans and, and trying to figure things out but definitely the, the arrow the arrow pieces are more grip whether they're enough or not um, I don't think we know yet yeah and you mentioned just with some of like the minor adjustments that IndyCar has made whether it's downforce or that type of thing how much could you feel in the car with those adjustments and how do you adapt to those types of changes um, well they are more downforce but you have to, you have to be able to use it right um, so, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily just you add pieces and the car gets easier and your life gets, gets happier, you know, and you got to find the optimum window that, that all those pieces work in. And, and so, 
Um, you know, the driving style has changed, but definitely, you know, some of the setup philosophy has to be adjusted a little bit. And we only really had one day, and so maybe we're trying to figure that that all out. And I've always wondered, just when it comes to Indianapolis more specifically, how do teams just with multiple cars, like how do they vary their process of getting ready just throughout test sessions, practice sessions, qualifying, just through April, May, just in terms of, you know, what are their specific agendas that they have to do? Well, for, for us specifically, you know, we use this past test uh, really as, as a way to get car compares. Um, so we all run out in, in identical configurations and try and be in clean air um, just to know what the car speed is um, so that we have time to, to, to make adjustments if there's an outlier on a car, whether it's good or bad. Um, so that's really what we use that pass test for. And then, uh, you know, it, it was the first kind of real test for Honda as well. Um, they have a list of things they wanted us to run through. Um, so really you're just trying to get basic baseline um, things understood, what the deltas are from one year to the next, that sort of thing. Uh, once you get into May, you, you start really on the mechanical tuning side of things. Um, and, and with more cars, for sure, it, it's advantaged if you can you know, split up the test plan. Um, but at one point, everyone kind of funnels back to a, a, a similar car, because you know, usually there's a car that, that you know, a step better than everyone else. So by the time you get to qualifying, um, usually everyone's kind of on the same car, plus or minus, you know, a, a spring stiffness or aero balance or something like that. Um, but it's interesting to watch all the cars kind of start the same, digress through the months, and then all converge back to pretty much the same cars on all of them. Would you say uh, when it hits qualifying, that that's when it kind of becomes more driver of what they can do with that car, since a lot of them are pretty identical within the team, like you mentioned? No, I mean, believe no. I mean, it used to be um, in the aero kit days when when you could really trim the car and take a lot of downforce off. Um, with the cars the way they are now, you, you can't really trim it efficiently, so everyone kind of goes out on the same downforce level. Um, so then really it becomes about car speed and qualifying, I would say more than half of it is purely how, how good your car is. I would say the, the difference in driving really comes out come, come race day um, because it's, it's very difficult now to, to follow cars, to, to set up your car, to, to follow, um, to get runs on people out of two and four. I'd say that's, that's a bigger challenge than just doing and a four laps by yourself in qualifying, just because you can't you can't really trim the cars like you used to. It used to be like in 2017, uh, who had the biggest the biggest nuts could just you know take some pieces off and lay the rear wing back and go for the lap. But now that's not really an option. Everyone's kind of on the same thing. Do you think the sport will kind of get back to that as you know implementing a, just all these new systems and a new car eventually here in the next couple of years? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, these things ebb and flow, right? You know, I think, um, you know, IndyCar did a, did a lot of really great things with the, with the spec aero kit in 2018. You know, I, I think the road and street course package is, is awesome. Um, I think we're, we're all aware that, that it has some weaknesses on the super speedway um, and the ovals just in general. And I think that, you know, when the next design 
comes out, you know, there's going to be a big emphasis on that. So I, I think you'll definitely kind of return a little bit back to what we used to see. Um, but nonetheless, it's, it's, it's the same for everyone, right? So the guys that are qualifying on pole and the guys that are winning the races are still still beating everyone else and, and deserving it very much so. That's very true. Uh, now looking back at your 2016 Indy 500 win, just with winning such a prestigious race for the first time going to that track, how did you see yourself grow both as a person and just a driver from that day? Um, you know, I mean, uh, my appreciation for the event has done nothing but rise exponentially every every time I go to that place, and the desire to win increases um, even more. And you know, they they often talk about you know the pressure of the guys that have never won it, right? And you know, there was always a conversation about TK and relief he got when he won, and Will uh, when he finally got it, and. But I would argue the other side of it, and I think if you talk to them, they kind of know it now as well. Like, once you get a taste of it, you know, the desire, I think, is even even more than what you think it would be if you haven't won type of thing, if that makes sense. So um, it's painful every time you go back and you come up short and you have to wait another 365 days to hopefully have the shot to do it again. So, um, you know, I'm thankful that... We're in the month of May, and we'll have another go at it here in uh, about a month or so. And uh, you've been known as someone who has an electric personality on the track. Uh, what would you say just motivates you the most and adds fuel to the fire week in and week out? I only care about winning. Really the easiest way to describe it. I second, third, fourth, fifth place are not what I show up to do, and not really interested when it happens. So I think that's easiest way to describe it. <laughs> That's why uh, you uh, got voted for, uh, what, what was it, uh, fan favorite this past season? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how, how legitimate that was, but uh, I'll take it. Uh, either way, I can get it, I guess. <laughs> I've heard a lot of times that IndyCar drivers are in terms of wired differently. What does that term wired differently mean to you? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I, don't, I don't really know, to be honest. I mean, I think that, you know, we're all, we're all used to the competitive mindset of, of motorsports and, you know, no one that gets into IndyCar has been doing it for like a year, right? You know, we've all been doing this since we were, we were kids and I guess you just uh, grow up with, you know, these, these things that you become accustomed to. Um, but yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I would say that's the same for all professional athletes. You know, I look at what what an NBA player does in, in a playoff situation on the free throw line and the pressure that they have to deal with and, and still being able to deliver. And I don't, I look at that and I'm like, wow, I, I couldn't do that. So I think any, anyone in any sport or any profession that, that is a professional and what they do is, is uh, unique to, to that, that, that. They have characteristics that are unique to that job and, and they're special at what they do. And you've got uh, Barber this weekend to open up the season. What are some challenges that come with that track just compared to other road courses that you guys uh, run at? Well, it's a motorcycle track, so it wasn't really designed for race cars. Um, so it comes with a whole host of challenges. All the corners are pretty weird. Um, the radiuses are strange. There's not really a normal racing line that you take. It's, it's a very unique track. Um, in a beautiful part of, of Alabama, though, and it's maintained 
uh, phenomenally by by Mr. Barber and his his staff. Um, and final question I'll be talking to your teammate fellow podcast host James Hinchcliffe next week is there any burning question that comes to mind that you'd love to have him answer I would um, like him to know in, in the year 2021 what he wants to defy the most oh <laughs> with the defy everything campaign I'm assuming correct I want to know I just want to know is it, is it everything is it he wants to defy the perception that he's Canadian? I don't know. I, I'd like to know. That's a burning question. I'm going to have to ask him yeah. that then. <laughs> All right. But I okay. appreciate your uh, time coming on the show, Alex, and good luck this season, and Barbara, obviously, as well. No worries. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Behind the Catch Fence with special guest Alexander Rossi. Now needless to say, Rossi is determined to put last season behind him after going winless for the first time in his IndyCar career. I do have a feeling we'll be hearing Rossi's name in victory lane a couple times here in 2021. I guess you can officially say I've had the opportunity to interview both hosts of the ever-popular Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Now speaking of Hinch, as you probably figured out by my last question with Alex, the mayor of Hinchtown is joining the show once again. So look out for that episode to be released on Monday, May 3rd. I'd like to thank Lisa Markle and Lindsay Ritchie for making this all possible. I'd also like to thank Alex once again for coming on to the podcast. Now we're just about out of time for today's episode, so look out for more interviews and content coming out every Monday. Before I go, make sure to follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Behind Catch. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you guys later.